People are going to crack up when I. Can they see a, a visual of us? No, nope. Us? There's no video of this one. Yeah. <laughs> Do I smile somewhere? <laughs> that could be kind of fun. Yeah. But then people can't wear their sweatpants or their crazy outfits like you're wearing right now, Father. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He's wearing his clerics. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. This is going to be a fun one. I feel really excited about it. Uh, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up before I introduce our our guest for this week. I love getting requests for different topics, and one of the requests that I got was to do an episode on honeymoon babies. And I thought I could find another you know young couple or young mom that also has the the experience of having a honeymoon baby. Some of you might know Claire for us was a honeymoon baby, uh, but then I thought nah. I'm going to invite Father Jeff Norfolk on to talk about honeymoon babies. Father Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. How's that for an introduction? That's quite an introduction. Okay, Father, first of all, tell us who you are. My name is Father Jeff Norfolk. Born and raised in Mitchell, South Dakota. I have an older sister and older brother, uh, my parents, and I also have four stepbrothers, a half-sister, a half-brother. And what I say is uh, a few little ones that are up in heaven that didn't make it outside the womb, mm -hmm. uh, who died inside the womb. So I include them because they're very important to me. Yeah. Why did I ask you to come on and talk about honeymoon babies, Father? It's <laughs> a good question. There's <laughs> at least 100 priests in the diocese of Sioux Falls that you could have asked. <laughs> but you have a particular voice to talk about this. Some people say I have a reputation. <laughs> Or in my homilies at weddings to talk about honeymoon babies or to pray for honeymoon babies. Uh, I don't know if that's a true reputation or not. Okay, fair enough. But I'll let the listeners decide. We'll let the. I'm gonna have so many young couples writing in after this episode that are like, "Yep, Father Jeff married us, honeymoon baby." <laughs> but it's actually something that you. Uh, I think that you pray for, but also that you kind of talk to couples, young couples about, of just the the gift of being open to life, especially from the start. Um, why is that something that, that you talk about? Yeah, for me, it's important not only because that's what God teaches and the importance of God's teaching, um, but also because I see the beautiful gift that children are to families and marriages. And um, upcoming, I have... You know, Labor Day's coming up, and so I have some time off, and uh, I'm going to go hang out with kids. Mm. You know, so I love to hang out with my married couples and their children, and I see the joy that it comes, and I see the challenges, too, that come with that. But if you tell me I have these two choices for vacation, I'm always going to choose to go hang out with married couples and their children. Seriously? Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful time of uh, refreshment. It's a beautiful time of joy. And I get to encourage uh, my friends who are married and the you know the challenges that they face in their marriage. Uh, but I spent a week in Colorado doing it. I'm about to go to Minnesota to do it. I mean, it's just something that uh, I want the world uh, to know that children are a gift. Wow. What do you think are the graces that come? I'm curious from your perspective as 
as a priest, um, as a celibate, looking on these families that you're spending time with, what are some of the graces that you see in them? Because sometimes as a, as a married person, maybe it's harder for us to kind of see that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you guys as married couples know the inside uh, challenges better than I do. <laughs> yeah. In that sense. Uh, but for me, I, I want to start with joy. Yeah. You know, the children can bring a joy. Again, I love dogs. I love pets. Uh, but I don't believe they can bring the same kind of joy that a child can. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's eventually where I was more and more convicted is when I lived in uh, Colorado at the seminary, we lived in a neighborhood, and I saw these young couples. They would come in, they would buy a lot, they would tear down the house and the lot, and they'd build this huge house. I was like, oh, this is so exciting, you know? Young couple, big house, uh, South Dakota. Fill it up. Exactly, fill it up with children. And year after year, I saw them walk the neighborhood with their dogs but I didn't see any kids. Mm. And so I just, it, it saddened me because uh, I want them to be able to see the joy of children and experience the joy of children. But as you know, uh, there's sacrifices that come with it. So they, they bring great joy, but they also require you to be sacrificial yeah. and to really keep giving of yourself and love. Uh, and that's why I believe part of the graces that comes with that sacrifice is your holiness as a married person. Mm. You know, that it, it makes you more holy the more you give of yourself. Because God promised on your wedding day that he would give you abundant blessings and graces. And so every day you can choose those to be able to give to your spouse, to give to your children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to throw out a caveat right now at the start of this conversation, because I recognize that this is uh, maybe going to be a hard conversation for some people, especially couples that might be experiencing infertility or um, loss and that kind of thing. And so I just want to, I want to throw that out there to, to first of all say, Hey, we see you, we know you, um, and all of those things. And that I, that we really want this conversation to be a joyful, uh, honest conversation for those couples that are kind of in the throes of, figuring it out. When do we have another baby? All of those things. Um, and Father, I love that you're articulating uh, the, the the graces, but also the challenges and that that's actually part of like mm -hmm. the, the sanctifying experience of, of parenthood, uh, the difficulties that come with it. And, uh, you know, in some ways the sacrifice that it is for marriages, maybe that would be, an, I'd be really curious from your perspective um, especially f young families or really busy families that have a lot of kiddos. Um, what do you see as the importance of couples continuing to invest in their marriage amidst that? Yeah, very important. Uh, in fact, probably one of my favorite retreats to help with are couples retreats. Yeah. Because I see the importance of the, the more that uh, a couple gets rooted in their relationship with Christ, the more they're going to have to give to their spouse and to their children. Yeah. And so any way that I can help uh, a couple continue to deepen their life of prayer, their relationship with God in prayer, how they pray as a couple together, that's so important for me. And so at a period of time after I was ordained a priest, I began to recognize that, okay, these couples are coming in for marriage prep, but nobody ever showed them how to pray together as a couple. Yeah. And so then just started gathering resources and said, okay, I'm going to put this in your hands. I'm going to give you some basic examples, but then you guys have to decide if you want to live this or not. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to make the sacrifice and take the time each day to pray as a couple. And those that do, it is a sacrifice, you know, but I see a fruitfulness. I see a peace in them. I see a joy in their household. I see 
more order even in the midst of the chaos Mm -hmm. because it's not them trying to control and manage everything. It's them letting the Lord come in and be the Lord of the house. Dang. You know? Okay, I am... I'm going to come back to, I want practical tips. Sure. I think people would love that. Um, but before I go there, I think, you know, we started talking about honeymoon babies. Um, the The cultural norm that I have seen and and quite frankly, what I uh, experienced in, in our marriage was, hey, we're newlyweds. We're still just, we're figuring this out. We're figuring out what it means to be married um, and, and our approach, and I think kind of the cultural approach is we're probably going to wait about a year. It's, there's like this weird thing, uh, in the world that we, we, a lot of us kind of approach marriage, like we're going to wait about a year just to establish our house, that kind of thing. Um, how does that strike you? What do you think about that? Tell me all your thoughts. I'm totally putting you on the spot. How do you feel about this? It's good. I'm happy to be put on the spot. Uh, I understand the way of thinking. You know, anytime you start something new, you want some transition time to get into that new thing, that new experience. But I don't believe it's biblical. And and that's where I would present God's model and God's vision of marriage and children versus what's being presented culturally. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's only one command that God gives to Adam and Eve, and that's be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, He could have said a lot of things to them, but that's the only command that he gives them. And so I want couples to, number one, take that seriously, yeah. but also see the gift that that is. It's not just a command, it's a gift. Like he's blessing you and saying, okay, become one flesh. And as you become one flesh, again, taking time to become united, but then allowing that to be fruitful for the love between the two of you to see your love in flesh, yeah. but also to allow that fruitfulness to pass into the world. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's, I understand the idea, but... I don't think it's biblical, and I'm concerned uh, of the trends that influence that way of thinking. Because if it's going to happen in the first year, then later on will the same thing repeat. You know, like, okay, we have one, two children, so are we ready for a third? And then it can create a, a sense of spacing that, for me, is not always helpful. Okay, totally coming. We have a lot of things to cover. This is this is really good. Um do you think that the modern approach to dating has influenced or changed how couples approach approach marriage and family life? And and like the example of what, 100, 200 years ago, not even 50 years ago, uh, couples would go steady for a few months. There was this pursuit. There was like a short engagement, a six month engagement, and they would get married and start a family. And now we date for a year, two years, five years, long periods of time that couples are dating, which in some, which in some instances and is, is understandable. Um, but do you think that that has influenced how couples want to control their timelines? I totally just offended somebody, but I'm going to say it. No, I think that's the best word actually to describe it is that, yeah, I think there is this, this certain sense of control. I really want this person in my life. I really love this person, but I want my future to look like this, this, and this. And therefore, I'm choosing the timeline instead of God choosing the timeline. Yeah. And so for me, one of the most important things is they come in for the first session in, in marriage. Uh, I don't like to call it marriage preparation. I like to call it pre-marriage formation. Hmm. 
because for me, it's a formation of life, not just a six-month preparation. Yeah. But they walk in the door, and one of the first things I do is, okay, share with me your desires and your plan. Okay, so we do the seven levels of intimacy, and there's some questions that go along with that. What are the seven levels of intimacy? Sure. Matthew Kelly has a book called The Seven Levels of Intimacy. Okay. And he goes through these, uh, everything from uh, cliches, facts, opinions, hopes, dreams, uh, fears, needs, and Mm. and he just goes through and he's like not a, of intimacy sharing with somebody else kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Not necessarily sexual intimacy. And in fact, not sexual intimacy. He's talking about just intimacy in the sense of revealing yourself, uh-huh. sharing with someone who you are and letting them share who they are. Yeah. So I go through this first step of, okay, you share with me your desires, your plans, and then we're going to come back in the second session and we're going to see, does that match up with God's plan? Does what, that, the, what do they say? Well, again, I guess it probably depends on the couple, but sure, sure. what what have you seen? Yeah, th- there's a, a tension. Really? Yeah, I mean, because many times in the plans that they've been living or that they have for their future, it doesn't match up with God's plan. Whether it's uh, how they're currently living before yeah. their marriage yep. or how they're currently practicing or not practicing their faith before their marriage, it doesn't match up. And so we do a little spiritual inventory and say, okay, You've seen your plan. You've seen God's plan. Now what do you want to do with that? What kind of decisions do you want to make? Yeah. Yeah. And so then I try and reassure them that, okay, yeah, the ball's in your court, but here's the resources that the church is offering you, given to us by Jesus, to reconcile those plans and to open yourself to let God's plan really take over. When you have couples that say, yeah, I want to reconcile the plan, what do you see? Yeah, I'm very grateful, number one, that they're open. Yeah. Because, and, and I'll tell them, uh, you could save a lot of time and money by going to, down to the courthouse and getting married. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> but I don't want them to. Yeah. So they're in here. Now there's an openness. Yeah. And I say, okay, together, you and I, the church, Jesus, we're going to walk up hill. We're going to climb upstream. Because if you choose to follow God's plan, which is actually one of the questions that's asked of them, are you willing to follow the path of marriage? If you choose to follow that, based on the current standards and the current situation that we're living in, you're going to go upstream. And so Jesus isn't promising you that it's going to be easy, but he's promising you what you need to be able to make that choice and live it out. And so I, as a representative of the church, want to support you in that choice and help you to live it out. Because it's actually going to make you free. Amen. Happy, holy, free. Oh, okay. I am so fascinated by this. This is this is great. So... As you're working with these couples, um, and it's going to sound like a stupid question, maybe. What do you think keeps them from embracing God's plan for their marriage? Or, or married couples that are in it, what are those things that you see from your perspective working with a lot of different couples at different stages that cause a rupture to a couple freely being able to embrace like what God has for them and for their marriage. Yeah. The first way that I want to respond to that is, uh, I think there's a a disbelief whether they could name that or not. I think there's a disbelief that God is present currently in their life, Yeah, that he's with them on a daily basis, that he has an active role in their life. And that even if they're not pursuing him, that he's pursuing them. And so for me, it's so important for me to help them through each of our sessions, and, and not only set 
sessions as far as pre-marriage formation, but retreats, any times that I'm interacting with, with dating, engaged, married couples, yeah. to help them understand Christ is present. That's mm-hmm. who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, like we love this beautiful hymn in preparing for Christmas, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Well, great. Emmanuel means God with us. Let's not just sing it at Advent in preparation for Christmas. Let's live it in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. That he is present. He's guiding us, leading us, protecting us, caring for us. And so for me, that's the first thing is if they don't know the personal care of God in their lives, then the danger, secondly, is that, well, everything's up to me then. I got to balance the rest of my life. I got to figure out this plan. I got to make this plan happen. I got to manage everything in my life. Forget it. It's not possible. And God never called you to that. And God's never asking that of you. He's saying, when you say yes, I'll equip you with what you need to say yes, and I'll accompany you to live that yes. Yeah. To your spouse, to your children, to society, to the church. The yes is always accompanied by grace and his presence with us. Yeah. But if you don't know that, then you think it belongs to you, and that's too much to handle. So then when God asks more of you, you're like, come on, God, are you really asking more of me to yeah. make more sacrifices, to welcome another child or to make more sacrifices for my spouse? Like I can hardly balance all this stuff. Well, the reason you can hardly balance all this stuff is because you're trying to balance it on your own. Oh, just give me a second to get the dagger out of my heart, Father. <laughs> I think that's really, I think that's really common for a lot of people is, and and for especially young parents that are like, but man, I'm tired or, but man, our finances are not looking so hot or, you know, whatever. And um, that those things that can just cause deep amount of, a deep amount of stress for people. And, and the church takes those into consideration. Okay, yeah. Grave. What's this, what does grave mean? Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so what, what Emily's referring to is when a couple's choosing uh, to continue to be open to a child, but they're also looking, in that openness, they're looking at reasons why they could space a child. Yeah. Uh, the church has taught that there needs to be a serious or a grave reason why someone would space a child. Yeah. Okay. And so based on what I've studied and what I've read, uh, it takes into consideration emotion. Okay. What's the emotional state of the couple? Yeah. If they're totally consumed, anxious, overwhelmed by life, then the church wants them to discern with God, is this a time where we could receive and welcome the gift of of another child and really be able to care for that child? Mm-hmm. So your emotional state and your emotional well-being is very important to the church mm-hmm. and to Jesus, who gives us the gift and the guidance of the church in that sense. Um, yes, finances can be taken into consideration as well. So it talks about economic reasons. Mother Teresa, for example, when she worked with couples in India, she said, okay, it's beautiful, you're open and you're generous with the gift of children, but there are times when you welcome a child that you can't feed them, you know? So she taught them natural family planning to be able to space a child to get the financial resources that they needed to then be able to welcome another child, mm-hmm. you know? So the church takes that into consideration, economics, emotions. Um, what it doesn't want, what Jesus doesn't want, it's not just the church, it's what Jesus doesn't want, is selfish reasons. Yeah. We want to go on a vacation, we want a second house, we want a boat, we want a new car. Those things, as good as they are, and as much as it could bring joy to a marriage— they can't be primary. Yeah. And so the church then, through the teachings of Jesus, brings couples back to look at the core and communicate. 
are those things more important than receiving the gift of another child? Yeah. As good as those things are, are they greater than this gift of a child that God wants to grant to us? So I have a really fun job in this interview of being able to play devil's advocate and bring forward kind of these questions that I hear from couples. And this is one that I hear, um, especially those that maybe have a few, a few children. But Father, we want to offer our children now experiences that we won't be able to offer them if we have an infant or but father i want my children to experience the gift of, so these are good desires right i want my ch- i want to be able to take our children and travel and um you know i want to be able to take them to see the the different parts of the world and if we have five children we're not going to be able to afford to do that um how do you for for a couple trying to discern that that really does you know want to embrace children and and recognizes that kind of call upon their life how do you how do you navigate that because as you're saying like the church isn't saying Jesus isn't saying just have a million babies there's there's prudence and there's timing and and all of those things that have to go into it so how would you counsel some of those couples that are asking those questions yeah First of all, I would affirm that the desire is good. Yeah. Your desire to want to give your children a full life and these many beautiful experiences of life is a good desire. So I'm not going to shut it down at its essence. It's good. Yeah. My parents wanted to give me a, a good, happy American life in that sense. But there are many things they couldn't give me. Just the opportunity wasn't there, the finances wasn't there, whatever reason. But God gave me them. If you would have told me at 18 years old until my current age now that I would have been able to travel to 15 countries, I would have said, what? Are you serious? You're crazy. My parents could have never given me that. Wow. But God has given me that. So parents, don't limit what God can do just because you have this vision that you want to give to your children, but don't limit what God can do with that vision. You give that vision to God, and then God says, okay, great. Here's the five loaves and two fish that you've given me, and now I multiply it. Yeah. But sometimes... Unless they can give that vision to their child, they think, well, I'm not giving them enough. Or I want to give them what I didn't have growing up as a child. And again, these are beautiful desires. But I don't hear God involved in that. Mm. And so God needs to be invited into that to say, yes, this is what you, mom and dad, want to give to your children. But what does God want to give to your children? Yeah. So there's a real discernment process. And this is what I think is good for my child. And I'm giving that to God and asking him, what do you think, Lord? Yeah. Because especially one of the things that I have been learning from the pandemic is that many, many families have said to me, Father, I'm so grateful our life slowed down. Yeah. So when you think to yourself, I want to yeah. give all these opportunities to my child, but then you get yourself built up and caught in this rat race, is that really worth giving to your child if it's causing you to many times or traveling on the weekend, so are you going to Mass? We're doing these events five nights a week, so are you getting time together as a family? Yeah, are we even eating together? So yeah. it doesn't seem like the vision that many couples have and want for their child, it's creating uh, a life pace that's not sustainable. Yeah. And that's where I think it's so important to go back to God and say, God, what is the pace you want for us? And what do you want for our children? Because your pace and your plan will be able to be sustained. Okay, you are preaching. That is so good. Um, can we talk about dads for a second? 
I think dads have a unique role. This is not in every household, but in a lot of households um, as kind of being the, the, maybe the primary provider, or even if they're not financially the, the breadwinner, there's still this experience for fathers um, often, hopefully, that they are providing that they are taking care of. And they actually have spiritual authority. I'd love for you to talk about that. They actually have spiritual authority over their household. Um, so in this, in this process, in this discernment, um, for couples, what's maybe some encouragement that you would offer to specifically to dads? Yeah. Thank you. It's a very important question. And first of all, I'm going to make a plea and I'm going to, I'm going to plead with you dads Along with being a pastor of a parish, I also work in prison ministry. And I've never seen a statistic, uh, a specific number, but I'm going to make a guess. And I would guess that 90% of the men and women that I work with inside of prison don't have a father figure in their life. Do not have a father figure that guided them, that led them, that protected them, that spiritually formed them. So that's my plea with you dads, is that please take seriously your faith. Please take seriously the role that you have in the life of your children. And as good as your work is, and as good as it does to provide financially, if it takes away from your presence and the amount of presence that you can give to your children, it's not worth it. That's my firm belief. I would much rather you make sacrifices and provide less financially, but have more time with your children, than I would for you to make more money to give to your family. Because many of these adults now, again in prison, didn't have that presence, didn't have that role model, didn't have that consistency of a father figure, and now they're imprisoned. And that was a huge thing that led to their chaos in their life, that led to their moral, spiritual decline, because there wasn't that presence of a father in their lives. So, yes, praying for your children as fathers is very important. Being present to them. Uh, when you had your child baptized, there's this simple action that the priest does and that you as parents and godparents do, and it's making the sign of the cross on the forehead of your child who's about to be baptized. Do the same thing as they continue to grow. Make the sign of the cross before they go to bed, before they go to their friend's house. Make the sign of the cross. Take that spiritual authority as their father and say, I'm asking God's protection upon you as my child, and then I'm sending you out to be with friends. I'm sending you to school. Pray with them. Oftentimes I hear, beautiful gift. Parents would pray with their children, but when they reached a certain age, they stopped praying with them. Mm. You know? Maybe until they were in junior high, for example, they would pray with them at night before they would go to bed. But then as they got older, they stopped doing that. Please don't stop doing that. Gather together as a family and show and model for your children what it means to be a man who prays. And that your children can see you pray with your wife, and they can see you pray with them as children. I have a very distinct image in my mind of my father when I was in sixth grade coming down to my room and praying with me. And I think you still remember it. I still remember it 30 years later because it had such an impact on me because it wasn't part of the regular routine of my dad. And at a certain point, my dad became a single dad because my parents divorced. So when he took that opportunity and did that, I was blown away. Wow. You know, and I saw my dad at mass, but I wanted to see him pray with me. I wanted to see him pray with my family as a whole, you know, especially inside of the home. It's very important that you take your children to mass. Yes, first step. The second step is what happens when you come out of Mass, you know? And this isn't just for dads, it's for mothers and fathers. But in parishes, in general, we see a lack of men coming forward as volunteers. Well, children notice that, mm-hmm. you know? And so when they see you, Dad, come forward and help out at the parish, and then take 
that responsibility at home and pray and lead the family spiritually, huge impact. And even the statistics show this, that when there's a father who's practicing faith, it has a very big impact on the children continuing that faith as they grow. Wow. I, and I have to say, it has been, there's been so many times in our house where I recognize that Matt has spiritual authority that I don't have. And, and, and I recognize I have my role and I have a strong role and it's an, it's an essential role. It's an important role, but Matt has an authority in our house. Amen. And, and I, when I surrender to that, when I really build him up in that, um, yeah, it's really, it's really transformative actually. And in, and in fact, I think when it comes to that discernment of children, um, their role is essential. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, you know, I remember when uh, we first got married, the week before our wedding, I'm thinking, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Because it's likely that, you know, if if we consummate our marriage, there, there's a likelihood that we're going to be blessed with Claire Bean, um, with Claire. And, and I just remember, like, for me, I was so anxious about this. What's, what's our plan? What are we going to do? And Matt's unbelievable peace mm. and and just uh surrendering mm. and i don't even know if he ever actually answered the question i there he didn't have to um but knowing me knowing that he was going to be okay mm. if that was the outcome gave me freedom mm. because he had this authority and he had this this confidence that i recognized could only come from from him mm. you know so i i um I think your plea is an important one and a beautiful one for couples that are struggling to get on the same page. And this can be about a lot of different things. Maybe specifically we'll use the example about family planning because, because of the topic, but mm -hmm. what's your encouragement to, to couples who maybe she's like ready to go, let's do this. I would love another one. And maybe he's saying, Hey, not yet, or vice versa. He's really excited and desiring more, and she says, "I just don't feel like now's the right time." Whatever. What kind of what kind of encouragement would you offer to couples? Yeah, number one, I want them to be able to pray, pray individually, bring your desires to the Lord individually, uh, but then come together and pray as a couple. Mm -hmm. And again, if that's not familiar, um, Father Jeff Norfolk at sfcatholic.org. <laughs> I'll put that. I'll put that email in the show notes. It's so my email address. I'm happy to send you some resources to learn some ways to pray to, together as a couple, especially because if there's tension there, what better to pray together and to bring that tension together with the Lord? Or if there's disagreement yeah. there, to bring that to the Lord. Second thing I would say is you need witnesses. Mm. And it's really hard in the current situation because, again, if you're taking this call of God to be fruitful and multiply, seriously, you're going to climb uphill. You're going to go upstream. So you need other friends who are living this with you. You need an outside voice who can speak into your life and say, okay, this is where my husband and I are at. What do you guys think? Or you're my friend. What do you think? How did you guys make this decision? How did you guys discern this? Whether it's the local priest, whether it's a married couple, whether it's your own parents, you know, you need those other voices that can speak into your life that can challenge you to keep growing. Yeah. Otherwise, we just stay comfortable and we rationalize our behavior and we rationalize our comforts and that's not helpful. So to have living witnesses, friends, uh, a couples group that you can go to, someone that you can call, someone that you can talk to that will help you to have that outside voice and speak into it. Um, can you give some really practical 
tips. I know I'm going to put your email. I really will put your email in the show notes. Um, but for couples who do desire to pray together, maybe they've been talking about it for a long time, but don't know where to start. How, how, how do you encourage couples to start? Two, two basic things that come to my mind first. Number one, uh, do a review of the day. In just, prayer. Yeah, yeah. So you, you just talk about the day. Yeah. So you, you open with the sign of the cross. You communicate with each other. Okay, this is what went well today. Mm. This is the blessings that we received. This didn't go well today. Mm. So in some ways, it's kind of like doing an examination of conscience. But sometimes when you use that word, people get turned off. So we'll call it a review of the day. <laughs> These are the blessings. <laughs> These are the challenges. And then if you receive blessings from each other and God gave those blessings to you through each other, thank each other. Be grateful. Mm, you yeah. know, Thank you for being a blessing in my life. Thank you for helping bring these children to the world, which were a blessing to me. Yeah. And if there was conflict and tension, then to apologize. Yeah. Okay, we didn't do this well. I didn't do this well. You didn't do this well. Can we be humble enough to acknowledge that and to ask for forgiveness? Mm. And then to be able to look forward to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. God, what do you have for us tomorrow? Well, here's what's on our calendar. Here's what's on our schedule. But going back to what we said earlier, well, that's our plan. So tonight, even before we go to bed, or as we're having this conversation, as we're praying to God, God, we give you tomorrow. We give the day to you. This is what we think we're going to need tomorrow. We're going to need some extra patience because t- today was hard. Yeah. We're going to need some extra hope because we're facing some big challenges. God, continue to give us joy that we can be a witness in our family to joy. You know, so you look forward to tomorrow and you ask God for graces already tonight before tomorrow begins. You know? I love it. So it's a model that St. Ignatius of Loyola uses and he applies it to marriage and family life. And mm-hmm. I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I think any couple can do, and not only as a couple, but also even as a family, is do the readings for Mass. Mm, yeah. You know, so I've heard some couples say, Father, we'll read the gospel before we leave the house on our way to Mass, and then we'll talk about it in the car. And then after Mass is over, we'll talk about the homily in the car on the way home. Mm-hmm. You know, so do little things. I'm not asking you to create this huge, big plan. Mm-hmm. Just take a little step and start with that, and you'll see how it blossoms. Mm-hmm. And you'll be surprised what the kids picked up from the homily that you didn't think they were paying attention to. Really? You know? Yeah. So reading the scripture readings as a couple, as a family, for me is very helpful because it keeps you connected to the life of the church and what's going on within the church. Yeah, yeah. I, two things that came to my mind as you're talking about that, maybe what would come up for some people thinking about what do we need tomorrow, their answer might be, we need time together. And and to actually pray for that space and time. You know, I just was talking to a couple recently who um, are in that phase of life of really busy kid activities and that kind of thing, and them just feeling really uh, disconnected and frustrated at the end of a night and saying, okay, we just need to put our phones away and, mm-hmm. and look at each other and connect because we're not in a good place kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and paying attention to that the night before it even happens, knowing that, hey, tomorrow's a busy calendar day, to actually pray for the space the time to connect and prioritize your spouse. I mean, what a what a brilliant idea. Rather than just reacting to, oh, this was such a busy day, I haven't even looked at you today, you know, mm-hmm. um, to actually be intentional about it the day before, I think is really, um, is really beautiful. And then the other thing that I love that you said is using your drive time, using your drive time. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear so many parents, you know, our girls are still so little, but, but I'm starting to see this now. Uh, and I hear from it, uh, hear from parents that are just older than us or further along in the journey that mentor me, um, the amount of incredible conversations that happen in the car. Mm-hmm. 
and parents that are very intentional because maybe schedules are busy or whatever, they turn off music, there's no devices, nothing. This is conversation time. And the things that their children will share with them kind of in the safety of the car, um, that I think is beautiful. So I love that you're just highlighting, hey, talk about it on the way home, you know, after mass as, as a family. I think that's so good. Yeah, the other time that I see that's beautiful, and again, I recognize this is going to require a sacrifice, but it's doing it around the, the dinner table. Yeah. You know? Okay, everybody goes around, what's one thing you're thankful for today? Thankful for. Or what's one thing you want to pray for? And before we do the meal blessing, we're going to bring these intentions and pray for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes it's not even for the individual person, it's they're concerned about someone else, mm-hmm. and they want the whole family to pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know? So now you're modeling to the children what it means to pray as a family. And they see that example, yeah. you know. I'm a big promoter of preventative medicine. Mm. Doing these things ahead of time before, just like you said, now I have to react instead of responding ahead of time and saying, God, I need your grace now before you get yourself caught in a, a budge, in a trap. Yeah, so, in a rupture. Yeah. yeah, learning to build these habits ahead of time to try and prevent things from going into a chaotic place yeah. or preventing a marriage from breaking down. Date nights are huge. Yeah. So important to spend time as spouses so that you can unite and then continue to join that mission and get a game plan of, okay, how are we going to continue to love these kids, raise these children? Yeah. <laughs> Matt and I went on a date night the other night, ready for a night of full of endless possibilities. We saw two crimes, two crimes. It ended up being our worst date night ever. It beat our formerly held worst date night ever where we went bowling, which was terrible. Uh, but even the bad date night, I mean, we have, la- I shouldn't say that we've laughed about it because it's actually like very appalling crimes, <laughs> but we have, we have bonded in it. So even the bad date nights, you know, have been so connecting for yeah. us and, and are, are making memories yeah. and making new unique experiences for us. Yeah. Um, Okay, Father, first of all, just I want to thank you so much for your heart and your passion. Um, you have such a passion for for families and for couples, and it's absolutely contagious. Uh, and I knew I was going to be throwing some hard questions at you, but these are real, I think, real questions at the heart of a lot of couples that are trying to figure this out and are, and are wanting to embrace this, but how do we do it? And so your fervor for it, I think is just really helpful. And, uh, I really will put your, your email address in the show notes so that if people have questions or maybe want to have a conversation, uh, regarding their specific circumstances, okay, this is where we're at. How do we discern through this? Um, yeah, I would love, I think you're a great resource to accompany people in that. Um, if it takes them a long time to get back to you, it's cause you got like 50 emails from couples that are trying to, that are all, we're all in it together trying to figure it out. Okay. I have one more question for you, father. I want to know if there's a question you have been pondering. So I end every episode of lead them to life with, uh, asking my guests, Hey, what's a question that you've been pondering? And this really just comes from my heart's desire or my experience that asking probing questions of myself, the world around me, the times that God has asked me questions, um, that I learn more about myself and about, uh, about others and, and often kind of God's plan for me. So is there a question lately that you have been pondering? Oh, and you can't answer your own question. Can I pose two? Yes. This is a lead them to life first. Two questions. Oh, I'm so excited. I'll I'll make sure that they're quick. Um, Because I've gotten this question recently, I want to pose it to couples. Is uh, getting pregnant in the middle of a pandemic, is it responsible? Is it God's plan? Hmm. 
So that's been posed to me, and I've been working with some couples who have asked that question. Mm. Um, the second question for me is, uh, and especially for those who are listening, uh, do you take the Holy Family seriously? Do you take the witness of Mary and Joseph seriously in the sense that they're not just an abstract biblical example, but do you see them as practical and tangible as assisting you in your married life? Do you take them seriously? I love it. Father, thank you so much for joining me. Friends, I hope that you will share this episode with your spouse or with some other friends, other young couples that are in the throes of some of these great questions. Or if you're a grandparent listening, maybe drop it on your on your child's uh, on your child's doorstep as well. Um, I hope that it's a place of encouragement and inspires us to uh, deeper prayer and to align our our life with God's plan for us. So I hope you share it with a friend, and we'll see you next week. 